Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome back to Disciple Making. I'm Darren Wright here with my friend Tim Beadle talking about being disciples who make disciples. And we're going to take a look at a, a bit of a, a a book that Tim has highlighted for me and, and sent me some details on. It's a book called Simple Discipleship by Dana Allen. And it has some outstanding, from what I can see, some outstanding principles. So Tim, start walking us through some of these key principles for disciple making as Jesus disciple made. And let's see how it applies to the world of alternative churches as well as traditional legacy churches. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. Yeah, my uh, friend out in Kelowna, visiting a while ago, said, have you seen this? I said, no, I haven't. So, of course, I want to see it because anything to do with discipleship, disciple-making, discipling uh, is something that I want to take a look at. Never, never heard of this fellow or seen the book, and so I started reading through it, and there's some really good stuff here that is probably worth us camping on for the next uh, few podcasts. Uh, specifically, uh, for, for the next little while, we're going to be talking about uh, seven principles. And remember, principles, as I was taught in Bible college, principles never change. Uh, programs always do. And so uh, principles are few and programs are many. So we're going to look at a good principle that never changes. So if you can learn this principle in your commitment to make disciples, uh, mm-hmm. this will help you turn up the effectiveness not a, a couple of steps. So there's seven here. I don't know how many we're going to get through today. Maybe two, maybe one. Yeah. Uh, but 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 these are described as um, uh, Jesus, the great disciple maker. Uh, and these would be principles that Jesus himself used in making disciples. Now, he didn't have a lot of time, but he didn't rush through these. And so uh, we're going to start going through these. The, the first one is that uh, Jesus uh, focused on efforts uh, where his disciples needed to grow. Mm. He didn't treat them all, uh, paint them all with the same brush. So you think in Luke 18, the story of the rich young ruler, as we call him, uh, he was a devout Jew who wanted to grow in his faith. He came to Jesus. He had plenty of uh, zeal for his faith and lots of mula. Uh, so Jesus, you know, takes him down the garden path a little bit, and he points to uh uh, five of the six commandments that deal with relationships. And at the end of, of that, the, the rich young ruler was feeling pretty good about himself. Because uh, I've done all these checkbox, check, check, check. Uh, but then Jesus, uh, basically, rather than giving this man praise, which he probably anticipated at that point in time, the opposite happened. He dealt with the heart of the ruler related to his attitude towards money and possessions. Uh, so specifically, a lot of other people wouldn't have had this, uh, but Jesus knew uh, through his perception of this man's heart that uh, forget about this other stuff. We have to deal with the core issue that was holding this man in bondage in terms of moving forward. So so, so the challenging principle here uh, is that discipling programs in the church incorrectly assume uh, that all people need to grow in the same manner. And this is false. Uh, but, you know, in the church, it's based on unity and efficiency. Well, if we can get all these people through here, it, like even with a great program like Alpha, 
just because you sit through a nice meal and have a discussion one evening does not mean that, that you've really worked through the things that you have to uh, embed in your heart to be able to grow. And teachers need to realize that, trainers, so that they're, they're very aware of the individual needs of the people in the smaller group. Hmm. Yeah. And I think, Tim, you know, as we're talking about this principle very clearly, this applies both to, to the whole spectrum of disciple making, evangelism, yeah. as well as post-conversion. Yeah. And, and in a way, we could say, you know, the story of the rich young ruler, what side was that on? Well, that's maybe on the evangelistic yeah. side. And so, you know, when we're sharing the gospel and calling people to begin following Jesus, that invitation and the call to repent, believe, and follow needs to be made yeah. based on where they're actually at. In this case, this right. man had a very clear, clear idol that needed to be dethroned if he's going yeah. to follow Jesus. But once a person's begun to follow Jesus, and we see this, I'm sure we're going to get in there with the disciples, there are issues that come up <laughs> that yeah. need to be addressed where, where we're already followers, we're already, quote, converts. But then to grow as a disciple, it's not one size fits all. No. You know, there are yeah. things that need to be addressed for each individual. I think we can even see this with Jesus, different ones of the 12 he dealt with a little differently. Like Peter, given Peter's impetuous nature, he dealt with Peter pretty bluntly. Because <laughs> yeah. that's the way, you know, Peter needed the two by four between the eyes, you know, get behind me, Satan, <laughs> in order to address the stuff that he needed to grow. And he dealt with people very specifically and very individually. And that's, again, that doesn't, doesn't allow for mass production one-to-many the way we tend to structure ministry, but it is very effective when we do it properly. Yeah, and when when you think uh, Jesus had a short uh, time frame uh, from the time he commenced his ministry till his ascension, uh, but he didn't he didn't really go after the masses. The masses came to him, and he even rebuked them sometimes, and took the boat to the other side and got rid of them, and gave them some hard sayings about uh, you came for food, but unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, and that turned a whole bunch of people off. Yeah. But Jesus was content to work with a few. And as you said, he dealt with them at their point of development, need, uh, faith, perhaps. And uh, so, so Darren, with, with the people that you work with in 12 Church, um, again, you might teach them certain lessons that they all learn, you know, skills for multiplication or witnessing. Mm. Uh, but perhaps, I'm uh, putting you on the spot here, what, what might be some of the individual needs that you have seen in people that really... Uh, you have to stop and, and deal with this stuff rather than just hopefully, you know, you sweep it under the rug and hopefully it resolves itself. Yeah. I mean, in some cases, you know, you can draw the spectrum. Sometimes the greatest need is character, that there's a character issue that needs to be dealt with now before a person can move ahead. Yeah. In some cases there's passion and zeal without knowledge. And so there's some skills, some training that needs to come in, particularly in the area of personal evangelism. That's been a big skill area where people, for the most part, I find are quite passionate. In some cases, the passion isn't there. Yeah, and okay. so, you know, we need to apply, apply some of those principles. What I find, Tim, even this last week is very interesting. We did a, a discovery Bible study on that passage in Acts on Simon the Sorcerer. Okay. Because we're picking through the Gospel of Acts, doing either discovery Bible study or a full chapter summary. And we just focused on, on Simon the Sorcerer. And I didn't know where it was going to go in terms of application or how does this even relate to us. But two things surfaced very quickly that had broad and yet specific application. Number one, 
the issue of Simon. He'd become a sorcerer. Yeah. Or he was a sorcerer, became a Christian, and tried to buy his way into power. Right. And so he had this baggage he brought in from his own life. And so we talked about baggage, yeah. that we all have baggage and right. different people, you know, share different things, different types of baggage, very unique. And yet the principle held. And then, you know, beyond that, it also came down to issues of motives. What yeah. is our motivation for our following of Jesus? You know, are we trying to leverage, trying to earn favor? And that allows for, again, a very personalization of the of the issue. And so what I found, Tim, is when we actually deal with the raw word of God, the spirit can apply it individually and surface the specific needs That's that right. are there. Same passage, different application for different people. It's been, it's been very encouraging to see how that happens. Yeah, and that's why it's so important to allow the Spirit to do His work that only He can do, rather than trying to manufacture or work through, trying to figure out what everyone needs. And that's why prayer is so central to this. Uh, some of the things you said, and, and probably down the road some, where uh, another area in this book talks about, you know, qualities of the heart, the character of the disciple, mm-hmm. and qualities of the mind, the knowledge. You, you mentioned both those things, the, the character and the knowledge issues. And then just qualities of, of, of the hand in terms of mission and uh, ministry of the disciple as well. So, so these will be areas that we will delve into. But this principle is, is, is basically this. Become aware of the people that you're discipling, what their needs are, where they're at in their walk of faith, in the adventure of disciple making. And don't rush them through them and try to make them just to be like everyone else. To, hey, catch up because we're on chapter three or four now. Uh, and, and this is a beauty of a disciple making more one-on-one or having a small triad or uh, that, that we can really get down to what personal needs are is where God has his hand on each person's heart and mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one of the, that, that's the first principle I, I wanted to make today, that mm-hmm. Jesus focused his efforts on disciples where they needed to grow. Yeah. And Tim, I wonder, before we move on from this, uh, and I don't know that we, we'll move on to the second point today so much, I do wonder, like there's the individuals, but there's also the times and the eras in which we live. Okay. And at different times and eras, there are different issues that pop up as the big issues that need to be dealt with. You know, thinking back to evangelistic methods, you know, back to good old four spiritual laws, yeah. you know, God loves you, has a wonderful plan for you, have a very, a very logical um, you know, pre- presuming a certain worldview kind of evangelism. You know, evangelism explosion was based yeah, really on reaching people who were Christian-ish, but were trusting in their works. That's and, right. you know, it was, it's for dealing with churched people. And so, you know, just on the evangelism level, we need to change the way we do evangelism. Yeah. But but thinking now of people who've come to faith, Tim, what are some common, maybe putting you back on the spot now, what yeah. are some common things that, despite the uniqueness of individuals, some common issues that need to be addressed in people's lives, either in terms of character, competence, those kind of things that, again, not because it's one size fit all, but there are some pretty common issues that we're facing right now in this time and space. Yeah, I think one has to do with our place in culture and how we, um, like the Spirit is trying to conform us and transform us into the image of Jesus. And that's why in Romans 12, it says, don't, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. And it talks about this transformational morphe, a different form. Uh, and the people that, that uh, basically the brothers in the faith right now that I'm walking with, it's interesting to see how uh, from the past that the, the, the world's values, standards have basically influenced their way of thinking. 
Mm. And then because of that, um, in terms of taking on the mind of Christ, uh, it now becomes more central to understand uh, that when you're a disciple, you're living your life as if Jesus were living his life through you, and that, that has to do with your mind. Mm. And uh, therefore, we can have some open discussions about that. Uh, I'm, I'm about to have that discussion with a relatively new believer, who it's obvious um, in terms of understanding where he's at, He's, he's got some pretty uh, strong views against certain uh, uh, things that are going on in the world. And I don't feel a lot of love, even though mm. he's probably right in his position. But he would see him himself diametrically opposed to anyone who could be like that. And, and that's an area that we're going to have to work through if he's ever going to come along someone else and uh, let his light shine and be salt to them as well. Yeah, no, I, I think those are some issues. You know, the whole issue, there's polarization in many different yeah. areas of life. And I think one one training issue for disciple making, which we need to learn ourselves and model as well, is how do we how do we function in a polarized context? Yeah. You know, regardless of whether it's political or around science or health or whatever else, you know, what does it mean to be a disciple in that context to represent Jesus well? Yeah. I, I was at a men's a men's morning prayer time some time ago and and, uh, you know, chatting about different things. And before the study and the prayer time, there's obviously talk about the news and everything else. And I raised the question, I said, would someone who wasn't a conservative be welcome in this gathering? <laughs> Whether they were Christian or not. And that led to an interesting discussion. And I said, because if, uh, if someone who isn't a conservative isn't welcome, then there's a problem with us whether they're believers or not. If it's a non-believer who wasn't conservative and wasn't welcome, we have a problem. If they're a believer and they're not conservative and they're not welcome, we have a problem. And so I think there's a lot of room, Tim, for some training and really some modeling and deep thinking around the area of political engagement, polarization. You know, and again, there's many other issues we polarize around, but to me, that's a front burner issue that is such a common issue. We need to, in a sense, add it to our area of discussion and uh, you know, that's the world people live in every day. Yes. It better be yes. a part of our disciple making. And if if we just look to within the church over the last uh, couple of years with the whole COVID and the pandemic, what <laughs> brothers and sisters in faith uh, did to each other in yeah. terms of having polarized views, um, mm -hmm. where there's a lot of judgmentalism, not a lot of love. And uh, it's, it's interesting to see in the life of Jesus uh, he asked a lot of really good questions yeah. to, get, to get people to think. And, and I think sometimes uh, this is a way forward when there's a polarized, obvious polarized uh, atmosphere uh, between where we are and, and where the world is. I think learning to ask good questions to get people to reflect uh, is helpful. I, I know I, in past podcasts, I've spoken about trying to be a balanced communicator where, where you're sharing both truth and love. Uh, by sharing love, you basically have an audience because people lo love being loved. Uh, but that's a bit of a radical identification. And uh, by holding on to truth, you have a message, and that's a radical difference than the world. And, and when you don't maintain that, you end up in one of two ditches, and, and I've said this before. You're either like the uh, uh, spiritual porcupine who loses his audience because you have – Basically, uh, everything's right or wrong. We call it the, the, the hardening of the categories, I called it. 
And that's where you become judgmental. And that's why people who, who don't know Jesus feel judged by mm -hmm. the church. Or on the other side, um, you're a spiritual chameleon where you lose your message and you're no longer salt and light because you basically want acceptance and assimilation with the world so that you'll be accepted. But you, lo you lose something of, of supreme importance along the way. You, you lose your ability to have a radical difference and uh, a radical message that's that's based on Jesus. And so this, this is the challenge. And I think we all have to face this when there's polarization. We will always feel that tension there, but we have to decide how to navigate, as it were, down the road of faith and truth and love without getting pulled into a ditch on either side. Yeah, no, you're exactly right, Tim. And I think, you know, that talking about the polarization and other issues, you know, media, our media consumption comes into that, you know, what we add to our hearts or minds. And those are some basic foundational principles, right? Like yeah, what yeah, we yeah. allow into the ear gate, the eye gate, you know, our entertainment, uh, the use of leisure. Again, these are the the principles will apply to every believer, every disciple, but yeah. the specific application, specific action will will differ based on what that person's actually into. You know, some people might be absolute news junkie or Twitter fiends or, you know, uh, TikTok addicts or whatever. The principle is what are we letting into our heart and our mind? Yeah, there you go. And and you know, and and really what not just do we say no to, but what do we say yes to? Exactly. And how do we model that and lead people to a healthy balance? And I mean, we're still probably, I still wrestle that through on a regular basis as new media shows up. Sure. Yep. You know, as, as the information overload continues, you know, a, a new critical news story every hour, it seems, you know, these are things I think when it comes to following Jesus, we need to, it's interesting, this book about simple discipleship, we need to shed some of the complexity of the world that we're in. Yes. And strip some things away, just like you downsize or simplify in your home. Simplify what's going on mentally and emotionally so that we can engage more fully with Jesus. To me, that's what, what I'm learning anyway in, in that. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. something for new disciples will become very important. Yeah. Well, how about one more biblical example before we bring this to, to a conclusion? I think of, yeah, you, you talked about uh, disciple Peter, whack him over the head with a two by four. But he, he was so passionate for Jesus. And, and you'll remember at, at the Last Supper, he uh, Jesus said, someone's going to deny me. And he said, I'll never deny you. And, of course, Jesus <laughs> said, well, let, let, let's wait a few hours and see what happens. And then after the crucifixion, you know, in John 21, and, and all the disciples are out fishing. And Jesus has his encounter with Peter since mm -hmm. that uh, time of uh, sort of betrayal, denial. And... Uh, Jesus says to him, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? And uh, he uses the term love, agape love. And and Peter uh, couldn't say yes. He says, I, you, know, I, you know, I have strong affection with you. But he used a different word for love. Like he didn't use agape. He used more phileo, which is human love. Uh, and, and it's just wonderful uh, because then Jesus asked him again. And then he asked him a third time. Uh, but the third time he said, do you really have phileo love towards me? He actually, uh, he didn't lower his standard, but he actually met Peter right. at, at the at the challenge level of his understanding of Jesus. And at that point, uh, Peter said, you know that I love you. And then he sort of commissioned him to go and feed the, the sheep and care for the lambs. But uh, this is what this principle is all about. We have to get to know those people who are in our sphere of influence, who are on a journey 
hmm. and walk with them at their speed. Uh, because I know historically the church has just sort of poured knowledge over people like a fire hydrant hmm. and they remember so little, but real life change will come by really focusing on this, this um, principle of Jesus that he basically took time to address the needs of each one around him to help them, as it were, uh, become aligned with his heart and ministry. Oh, yeah. So beautiful, Tim. That's that's excellent. What a great principle. Uh, what a great principle for us personally. Where do we need to grow? And then those we're working with, where do they need to grow? Exactly. And focus there. Rather than just doing a shotgun approach, yeah. focus in and pay attention to the voice of the Spirit in our disciple-making and uh, really allow him to quarterback that and surface what he wants to surface. Because I've sure found the Lord deals with people in a different order yeah. <laughs> than the way he dealt with me. You know, different the, the same issues in a different order yeah. based on their unique wiring and circumstances. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to what, what comes up as we walk yeah. through this idea of, this of simple discipleship uh, from this book that you've discovered. Yeah. So um, that's where we'll pause today, friends. Please join us again. Look for us on Disciple Making on whatever platform you use for your podcast. But uh, he's Darren, I'm Tim, and we're committed to disciple making and uh, being obedient to the Great Commission. Please join us next time. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or ChristFollowerDNA.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.